coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. We review the new Star Fox game. It's not a Star Fox game. I think Dark Souls Remastered is a Star Fox game. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell, who is standing now at the podcasting table. That's right. Feeling fabulous. I tower over all. It's, it's true. You, well, you tower over me at the moment. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about what this does to our power dynamic. We are, of course, always equals. <laughs> that, is, that is, of course, correct. Um, you, you mentioned that you are standing because your back was bothering you a That's little bit. That's right. I am old, and I sit at a computer all day. Here's the thing. When the, the time in my life that I threw out my back the worst, I was 24. Oh, you're supposed to be like resilient, like a baby. You can just balance at that point. Here's the thing. I was living in Chicago. I was drinking a lot. Ah, uh, uh-huh. Um, and did you know the thing that threw out my back? Lifting a Nintendo 64? No. Uh, no. <laughs> Lifting it? Yeah. They're not that heavy. Hoisting it? Uh, the, he- yeah, this, the heft, the sheer heft <laughs> of it? No, it was spending the day playing uh, Rock Band, the drums in Rock Band, uh, throughout my back. Guitar Hero? The one that had the cymbals. I think it's Guitar Hero. And then you stood, like... You stood up. I've never thrown out my back. I don't know entirely what that means. Sure. So I guess it maybe wasn't a throw uh, so much as it was uh, my back was just sore from exertion. So uh-huh. like I played pretend drums for like three hours one They're, day. I mean, are they pretend drums? They, they they are pretend drums. I was pretending to play. I was really playing pretend drums. I mean, isn't like any electronic drum a fake drum in that sense? Oh, boy. Um <laughs> Yeah, maybe. So maybe I'm putting uh, electronic drummers on blast here. You don't really play drums. Fake drummers. <laughs> Look, we got a real problem with fake drummers. Uh, we got to root them out and get them out of our society. There is no place for fake drummers in a civil world. Um, but that's that's when I hurt my back the worst. And that was now like 10 years ago. So more. Um, and uh, yeah, so as an old man, uh, one who doesn't subject himself to three hours of nonstop fake drumming, um, I, I, it, my back is fine. You're also eating a lot more vegetables now. That's true. I am eating a lot more vegetables now. I'm not subsisting on a diet exclusively of Kraft macaroni and cheese and Tombstone pizza. Speaking of exclusively, <laughs> uh huh. On November eighth, we're coming up. Yes. With a list. Yes. An exclusive list. We are the only ones who have this list of the eight best NES games of all time. Of all time. And we need your help in coming up with this list. Right, cuz if you don't help us, I'm going to start listing light gun games until the whole list is nothing but Hogan's Alley, Duck Hunt, Gunmaster Clive. Mark, you got to stop. You got to jump in here. <laughs> you got to rescue me here. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Is that even if you're like you're sitting listening to this, Mhm. And you're saying to yourself, well, of course, Super Mario Brothers 3 is going to be on there. Or, of course, like The Legend of Zelda, so on and so, f- so forth. Here's the thing is that each of those games or each of those like series have multiple entries in them. Yes. And we're only putting one entry 
per series on our list. Right. So and, if you like mm-hmm. feel strongly about one over the other, like you can sway our vote. Yes. And in fact, you should, because Mark and I are agents of chaos. I l- oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm what your mother warned you about. That's right. <laughs> I'm like the wind, baby. <laughs> so if we are not properly guided, we are going to put some insane games on this list, and you will be livid. So make sure that your voice is heard. Email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Com. Tell us what should be on this list, what should not be on this list. Only one game per series. Uh, must have been must come out on the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, and we're recording this in two weeks. Yeah, so, so you don't have a lot of time. Get your emails in now, uh, Mark. What else can you do with that email address? Well, while you're emailing, why not compose a second email that includes your mailing address? And you can get on a list to borrow Patrick's copy of Sonic Forces. That's right. You can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces and do with it whatever you want. Uh, I mean, I would prefer that you play with it, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's right. As discussed in the previous episode, Mm -hmm. we wash our hands of it when it is outside of Patrick's apartment. Inside of Patrick's apartment, we take great responsibility for it. That's right. And anything that it does, I am responsible for it doing. Outside of this apartment, though, it's a different story. You can uh, get on that list by emailing us your address, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Mark, should we just go ahead and get into our topics today? We should. We are right now. Here we go. Let's talk about Starlink. Uh, and I guess if you're just here for um, the Dark Souls Remastered talk, hit that uh, plus 15 seconds button a couple times. I mean, I'm sure we're going to speak in very compelling terms about Starlink as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if you're just here for the for the Dark Souls talk, then maybe maybe skip ahead. Yeah, yeah. We will talk about Dark Souls after we talk about Starlink. Right. So first things first, Starlink, the battle for Atlas, uh, came out on Tuesday last week. Um and it is available to purchase in a number of different formats. It is confusing. Right. So this is the Ubisoft's yes. new like space exploration slash space combat game. Mm-hmm. It's releasing on Xbox, PlayStation, and the Nintendo Switch. And only on the Nintendo Switch can you get some Star Fox exclusive uh content yeah and it mark sort of uh, stuttered on content because you can effectively play the entire game as fox mcleod in an r-wing so if you want to pretend that this is a star fox game that just takes place in like a different weird universe you totally can um and the illusion will be mostly complete um but should, should we get into uh, just the the maze that is uh getting into this game in the first place or should we talk about what the game is? Like, how, how do you think we should approach this? Yeah, let's talk about, because I think I definitely had questions about it. And yeah. uh, when we were t- playing it a little bit uh, this past weekend, there was a ton of stuff that I didn't know. Because there, like you are saying, so many versions of this game available yes. just on Switch. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I think we are going to be approaching this from a mostly uh, Switch perspective. Um, but I guess we can also refer a little bit to what the uh, other versions um, come with so um, there are there's a, a three-way decision you have to make right up front right um, and it is are you going to go with the physical version of the game or the two different digital versions of the game now the way starlink works is that you are using you're flying a spaceship right and the space spaceship has uh, wings and it has a pilot and it has weapons 
And if you are playing with the physical version of this game, all of these things, all aspects of the ship, the wings, the weapon, the pilot, are all represented by toys, physical toys that get snapped together and pulled apart um, to, you know, create your array of, uh, you know, your loadout, basically. Um, and if you are going with the physical version, you are going to get the starter kit. Um, and for on Switch, the starter kit comes with uh, the little Star Fox pilot, um, Mason, whatever. It's, it's like the main uh, Starlink character, whose name I don't know because I only play a Star Fox. Um, the arming itself, and then two weapons, uh, an ice cannon and a, and a fire cannon. Uh, this all comes with um, a special Joy-Con grip that the uh, ship itself actually snaps into. And uh, there's also a poster for, um, you know, the, the game that shows all of the various other ships, pilots, and weapons that you can purchase all separately. This is the starter kit. Uh, this is what I did um, because for as much as I was interested in Starlink for the gameplay, like, I want this R-Wing toy. I think it's cool. Um, and, you know, while I put the rest of the pieces away when I'm done playing with it, uh, this one stays out. So when you bought the starter kit yes. and you have the R-Wing, does that mean that unless you buy additional physical toys, that the only ship you can play with in the game is the R-Wing? That is correct. So, um, so it- Mason, whatever his face is, would be flying the R-Wing. That's right. And any any pilot can pilot any ship as long as you have the pilot figure and the ship, like, actual toy to put on top of the, uh, on the grip. Now, none of that is true if you're buying it digitally. If you buy the game... So that's... Uh, and the base price for the starter kit is $75. If you are... But I got it at Best Buy with my Gamers Club Unlocked, whatever, so it only cost me $60, normal game price. If you are buying it digitally, you have two choices. You can either buy the like vanilla digital, which comes with, um, uh, it's uh, I, I don't know the actual numbers, but it's a few of the pilots and a few of the ships and a few of the weapons. Or you can buy the deluxe edition of the digital, which is most but not all of the ships, weapons, and pilots. Um, all of that is still locked until you like unlock it through or earn it throughout the course of the game. So you still you don't have op- access to all of that stuff right away. Um, but one of the things that it does allow for is that it lets you um, the uh, other ships, additional ships are like extra lives in the game. So if you are in a combat scenario and your ship gets destroyed. And you have either, if you're playing with the physical version, uh, another ship toy that you can slap onto the Joy-Con grip, then great, you get to hop right back into the game. Or if you're playing the digital version and you have another ship that you can use, you can bring that up and it's like having an extra life. Otherwise, you respawn, you know, back where the mission started or like in orbit around the planet or whatever. So like there is a gameplay advantage to having more ships that is, you know, a, a very like real and understandable tactile advantage right the the thing that really surprised me is that the digital edition doesn't interface with the physical edition at all so if you had the physical if you had like the starter kit yes the, the physical edition and you also bought the digital edition so you had like more ships the two would not work with each other right and that is 
it's maybe kind of crummy because like I think obviously anyone, not anyone, but most people who are picking up Starlink on Switch want to have these sweet Star Fox toys, right? Like um, the game itself is whatever, but like you're th- or I'm there anyway for the Star Fox content. Yeah, I mean, almost to me, the ideal would be I buy the physical version, I get the R wing and the Fox figure, and then. I everything else is digital. Yeah, if I want additional ships or anything, I pay like the twenty bucks and unlock them. Right. So the the way that you would actually uh you know start getting the other ships and ships and pilots and weapons, um, if you're with the physical edition is by buying them. Um and so you can buy and by the way, I'm getting most of my information here from a, a great guide that Kotaku put together called A Guide to All the Different Ways to Buy Starlink. Um, so check that out. If anything I'm saying now doesn't make total sense, it's because I'm only half understanding an article I read a week ago. Um, but you can go and check it out. It's a great resource. Um, each of the ships that you can buy come with a pilot and a weapon. And that's sort of like the best value because you're getting, you know, three different like pieces of extra content and they're $25 um, each. Um, which is a lot of money, right? Like that's bigger than the difference between the basic set and the um, like deluxe edition in the uh, digital version. Obviously, you're getting some physical toys with that, uh, which is either a good thing or a bad thing or both, um, which is kind of how I feel about it. Like I like more toys, but I'm also like more toys, especially ones that aren't our wings. <laughs> um, and then you can also buy uh, the weapon packs um, separately. Um, they come with two weapons and those are, uh, 10 bucks for a a pair of weapons, or you can buy the packs that just have the pilots in them. And those are eight bucks. Um, two of the pilots are exclusive to, uh, retailers. Let me see if I can find this information. (laughs) Oh, so when you were saying with the like digital deluxe edition that it comes with most of the pilots, yes, it's not, it will never include. It'll these, never include um, the, the retailer-specific ones. Right. So this is a Cerebus ship with uh, Razor, LeMay, and a Shockwave. That is a GameStop exclusive. And the Scramble ship with Levi McRae um, and a Fury Cannon weapon. That is a Target exclusive. Um, so those are always going to be physically locked behind the toys and presumably totally unplayable in the digital version. I think that's right, but I could very well be wrong. Again, this is confusing. Yeah. I am like Hoggle. I will lead you astray in this labyrinth. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's complicated. So let's say you have successfully navigated this labyrinth. You get the edition of the game that you want. Um, and on Switch, that always means that you're going, to be, you're going to have access to the Star Fox content. Any other uh, platform, you will not. How, how is the game itself? There we go. <laughs> there we go. We can talk about the game for 10 minutes without actually talking about the <laughs> game. Um, uh, the game is cool. I like the, I like the moment-to-moment of the game. Um, the sort of like meta game that uh, you know, stitches the whole experience together can be a little bit on the like, long side or a little bit on the uneventful side. What is Atlas? Great question. <laughs> um, so the, the, it's so strange playing this game because... Um, it feels like you're being dropped into the middle of a, a like Starlink series of of video games, right? Like Starlink, the characters associated with it are all like very well developed. 
and like all of the you know the people all have different personalities and there's all this like lore behind like why these people are in space and the everything right there's this legion of bad guys and all this stuff and it, it, it's neat everything's really well designed um but then also the Star Fox characters are there uh, and like it seems it feels like you're reading a crossover uh story um or i guess playing a crossover story uh but the first like one leg of the crossover has never existed before <laughs> you know what i mean it's like uh you're reading ninja turtles uh and batman but like there have never been ninja turtles before you know what i'm saying um so it's uh it, it's it's the the balance between it between them is very um it doesn't feel natural um because star fox is all over this thing um they have their own uh storyline their own objective which is they're hunting down star wolf and wolf is you know like investigating ancient weaponry from whatever 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 um but also your guys are just sort of on board for the ongoing adventures of you know the uh of course I can't even remember the name of the other guys like mothership that might be the atlas i don't know <laughs> um so uh yeah the 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 game uh like actually plays um like you are out in space and it feels like a a real genuine space where um it is super far to the next planet and you can uh, either like drive right there directly or once you've been to a planet you can fast travel to it um but there's a more or less like seamless transition there is a seam i won't say it's uh, seamless but like um the game lets you fly right into atmospheres and right out of atmospheres back up into space um with almost an alarming freedom right like you can you you don't feel like you're selecting a level so much as you are organically visiting it um and then once you're on those levels you you know there's some like aerial combat there's some where you are like in closer to the ground sort of like hovering around um and the combat is surprisingly star fox like um feels like when you're in all range mode in star fox 64 um and there's you know a, a good amount of just like exploration and um finding resources you're also uh, able to scan wildlife um and like reconstruct their dna and like do all this research and interact with characters it's a it's an interesting totally ubisoft style game right where like you're going to a planet and clearing it out of the, the planets basically become outposts where you've got like little objectives on them um and you're just sort of clearing them out of um legion uh occupation and uh gathering resources along the way one thing I was a little bit surprised about was the fact that you can play as Star Fox for or Fox McCloud for the entire duration of the game. Yeah. I was thinking that it would be just like, you know, Dirk Mick whatever. Yeah, is, Mason something or other. Is your main character. I'm going to find his name. And then occasionally the camera would pan away and there would be like Star Fox. And, you know, then it'd be like, now you control Star Fox team. Right. It's not. It, I mean, like the other NPCs are talking directly to Fox. Um, but I mean, I, that's sort of like built into the nature of the game, right? Is that when they're addressing whoever you're controlling, it has to be neutral, right? Because there are, uh, you know, like canonically eight other characters besides Mason Rana that you could be playing. And then also Star Fox is in there. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it, it seems it's, it's a system that's sort of built for uh, that kind of flexibility. And the thing that was fun about that to me is that like just like Ubisoft did with Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, like it really felt to me like they nailed 
uh, Fox. Oh yeah, and the other totally. characters. Totally, and you know, all of the all of the pilots have like a unique ability um, that you know when you use it gives them some sort of like bonus for you know a, a little bit in combat. And when Fox does it, um, he summons the rest of uh, Star Fox. So like Slippy and Peppy and Falco all fly in and are shooting lasers and stuff. And the music kicks in and it's Star Fox. Like it just is. Um, and it's so exciting every time it happens, even when I do it accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like nothing for me to fight. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I think if you want to just pretend that this game is a Star Fox game, uh, you know, go, go, go to and enjoy. The other thing that I noticed when uh, we were playing is that I, I feel like aesthetically it's a really beautiful game. Yeah. Um, especially like outer space when you're flying around, uh, going from planet to planet. It, it's very colorful and the way that kind of remind me of the Guardians of the Galaxy films, how yeah. their, yes. um, you know, space is not just black with uh, white stars. It is like yeah, a it multicolored like nebulas. Nova. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, not to use the sort of uh, obvious comparison, but the game also has uh, an art style that is not dissimilar to, um, and now I've forgotten the name of the game, the one, that, the PlayStation game that then came Oh, No Xbox. Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. Jesus. Um, where, like, it's a little bit, uh, even in its uh, landscapes, like a little bit cartoony, um, which you know, makes it like simple and bright, um, but always like compelling and fun to explore. Um, that that's not just restricted to the characters, which are obviously, you know, kind of based on like a Saturday morning cartoon style aesthetic, both both in like how they're written uh, and how they look, but like the environments as well. I will say the the game seemed tedious to me. Yeah, it is pretty samey. So like you do spend a lot of time actually like leveling up um that your ships your weapons uh and and your pilot so like there are parts of the game where you will need to just find more resources and just grind for a little bit well even uh i was watching you do a boss battle yeah i think i may have been under leveled for that boss battle oh okay all the enemies just kind of felt like bullet sponges yeah um and you know you had the one ship and so when you died, you died and had to, like, restart the mission. And yeah. I guess that would not be true if you had multiple ships. But it, it, that aspect of it didn't seem, like, super fun. And then, like, the mission that you went on was just kind of, like, grab this thing and move it over here. And then uh, go over here and, like, grab that thing. And just that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a lot of just, uh, you know, fetch things in this environment, fight things in this environment. Um, but like, I, I don't know the, especially where the, where the combat is concerned, there's a lot of interesting things that you can do with the combination of weapons that you have. Again, this is restricted to what, uh, physical weapon toys you have, if you're using the physical version or if you're using the digital version, what you've unlocked. Um, but like, you know, I've got a fire weapon and an ice weapon. And so if I'm fighting something that is like an ice cyclops, um, I like, there were a couple times as I was playing where I was like, Mark, can you pull that off? And you just like pulled the, like, as I'm playing, take the ice cannon off and then I'm just shooting my lasers. Um, Cause you know, you don't want to use ice against an ice cyclops. That's crazy. Um, but like, if you uh, pick up um, all of the same elements that the, that the cannons fire are also represented in like little cores that you can pick up and then throw. 
So like if you get a, a gravity core, you know, or a gravity cannon and you shoot it and then shoot fire into it, it makes like a little fire tornado. Like the the game is I- interesting in the way it asks you to use the elements um, in combat scenarios. So I, I do think that the combat is fun, but I will agree that there's maybe too much pick up this, bring it here, uh, you know, and, and earn, you know, more monies, Starlink monies. There also seemed like there was a ton of different like upgrade options. Yes, the upgrade tree on on for for your loadout for the ship for your pilot uh, is exhaustive, and it just shows you everything uh, right up front. Um, and so it does seem it is overwhelming. Um, I don't really have a handle on how best to grow my ship or a- anything like that. So from my perspective, somebody who, um, like. wouldn't necessarily want all the different toys it seems like the best value is to get the digital edition yeah but i think you still have to make the decision of do you want the uh, deluxe digital version which is 20 dollars more expensive and then i think the the pricing is a little bit borked in other regions too like we're just talking about uh the u.s version i know it's more expensive other places and you know like when you start getting to the you know, I I spent sixty bucks on this game, and I am still sort of half considering getting another ship. So give me another ship, another pilot, and another weapon. Um, but like then at that point, like I'm spending another twenty five bucks. Like, how much do I want to spend on a game that I'm like only half enjoying to begin with? Um, but like, man, the ship is cool. The ship is cool. The ship is cool. A Star Fox is cool. So, uh, friend of the show, June had some questions about Starlink uh, that he was hoping you'd be able to answer. I shall help him answer. I, I, shall, I shall do my best. So first, how much harder is it without any additional ships? Mm, honestly, kind of hard. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's, I, I don't think anything in the game is uh, built in a way that like you simply can't progress. Um, there's always the option to grind, right? To go to another planet, or go out into space and just like fight bandits until you've leveled up a little bit and then uh, approach the next challenge. Um, I do die from time to time, but like if I, I n- nothing's killed me more than like twice, right? Um, and if I had the second ship, yeah, it would be super easy to just kind of like plow right through it. So I guess it is much harder, but I don't know if like the, the level of difficult, uh, you know, is like a, a real hang up. It doesn't feel unfair. No, no, it doesn't. It just it just feels like it's presenting a, an actual challenge. Is the R wing worth it? What does that mean? Yes. What <laughs> is the R wing worth it? Well, is the R wing worth it? I mean, I think in the same in the same way. Like, if you are spending seventy five dollars, yeah, and or sixty with your Best Buy gamers online, right? Yeah, and you want. Basically, like the big win here is owning the R wing. Do you think it's worth it? Uh, yeah, I'm for for the R wing, for the um Fox McCloud toy, for getting even getting to play like the first hour of this game with uh Fox McCloud. Like for me, that feels worth it. Um, the the ship is just so cool, and it's like it's weirdly big, right? It is. I was surprised at how large it is, and like the uh, I don't even know what you would call this cannons or whatever like yeah i don't really know what they are either the but they're articulated they're not i guess they're not really cannons because they're like if if it was an x-wing and let's be honest 
It's basically an <laughs> X-wing. Uh, it, it's like the S coils, right? That like move into a different position when yeah. they're about to attack. Uh huh. Um, they they articulate on this thing, which is cool, and they they like feel nice as they snap into place, and it, like the whole thing looks great. The one thing that I was not expecting, um, although it makes a lot of sense given that like the pilots actually fit into the ships, is that the like pilot figures are very small. They're very small. Yeah, I mean they. Yes, it's it's cute to like. Is he like a little star fox? <laughs> yeah, but, but do not don't be expecting like amiibo size or like the amiibo attention to detail. Yes. Well, and I mean the the same but reverse is true for the ship. Where like this is way bigger than an amiibo, um, and just just way bigger. Uh, and last June asks, I heard about some loot being weapon gated. How prevalent is this? Uh, so I think that's referring to the fact that there's uh some loot and some uh like missions where you need to collect things that are uh under um different elemental like crystals, and you had to blow them up with like the opposite elemental crystals. Um, so to the point that I have played, I have not seen too much of that, uh, but I'm sure there is more uh, the, the later you go and the more planets you get to. Uh, so I, but again, like the, the game seems to have enough content anywhere you go uh, that like you can just do other missions, you know? Um, and if you're just following along with the story missions and then along with the uh, Star Fox story missions, I I, th- I think you'll be fine to just not do, you know, farming in that. If you're like, oh, well, I don't have a gravity gun, so I can't get that stuff. I think you're you're probably going to be fine. Obviously, you're missing out on uh, part of what the game has to offer, but like that's always going to be in the cards with something like this, right? Yeah, kind of inevitable when they want you to buy more toys. Yeah, and I mean, you could spend over two hundred dollars to uh, complete a a ship collection, uh, almost three. So. Uh, it's and and it's like it's one of those lot. like for now things right sure. if this takes off there will always be more ships more weapons more pilots here's the thing here is the like honest to god truth for me is uh you know i don't feel any attachment to these starlink characters but if they whatever not whatever but there's a pretty high likelihood that if they put more guest things in this samus. game samus Olimar, you know, like you, uh, Olimar would be awesome. Olimar would be so good. <laughs> um, like I, I'm there in a heartbeat. You don't even really need to put more. They don't need to have their own missions. If it's just a ship and a pilot and a weapon, I, weapon optional. <laughs> like I don't even really need it. Olimar's pilot ability is like he can call down Pikmin, and they all have their own tiny little ships. <laughs> the Pikmin flying <laughs> ships. Um. Yeah, I mean it. It would be it would be wonderful, and I'd be there in a heartbeat. Or if somehow they got like Luke Skywalker and an X wing, like uh, I'll buy that. I'll, yeah, I'll play with that. Um, but you know, it also is sort of just like implying to me that like, well, Patrick, you really missed the boat on Disney Infinity. You should have played that back in the day. I guess, but like, did you though? I mean, any game is going to have like a lifespan. Yes, yes. But um, I feel like, well. I guess it just, I was going to say that, you know, like toys to life, it, any of those sort of things, any game ever is just about like <laughs> how much, you know, enjoyment you get out of it. So right. even when it does have an end of life, um, you still got your money's worth. Right. I mean, the, the, the thing that I do think I will be happy about is, 
you know, 10 years from now when he'll be like, oh, do you remember when Ubisoft did a, a game where you had to like snap the ship to like a, a, a controller and be like, yeah, Starlink, I have that. And I'll have the, the R-Wing, like, I don't know, that, that feels like a, it, this feels like a weird moment in Nintendo and Ubisoft history that like I'm happy to, um, you know, ha- have a part of right now. Do I want to go crazy and buy everything? Uh, no. <laughs> but I think it's neat for what it is. Well, should we shift gears and talk a little bit about Dark Souls Remastered? Mark, let's do it. Okay, so you picked up Dark Souls. That's right. And so I had played it uh, probably in like 2012 or yeah, probably around 2012, so like a year after it was released. Yeah, this, on this the is PS3. An, an old game. That's right. Remastered. Um, uh huh. And so the Switch version is like kind of remastered in quotes. It is way more heavily based on the original PS3 version than it than like the PS4 and Xbox One remasters, which are more of like your traditional remastered. Right. So I like just graphically speaking it has more in common with the original release. That's right. On, on yeah. PS3. Yeah. Um right? It was a PS3 game? Yep, yes. That's right. So man, the appeal of this is almost entirely 100% uh Dark Souls portable. Sure. Sure. Um have have you been playing it much uh that way or are you still yeah, I've, playing it? Um no, yeah. I've actually been playing it mostly in handheld mode. Um, even if that just means like in bed, not necessarily like out and on the go. Right. I've also played it docked, uh, on the TV. Um, but yeah, actually the majority of my time has been playing it portably. Um, so since we are a Nintendo show and maybe people are focused on Nintendo platforms, uh, it's very likely that they haven't played a Dark Souls game before. Um, so, and I, I'll, I'll count myself in, in that I've never played uh, a Dark Souls or a Bloodborne. What is what? What do you think is like the elevator pitch for Dark Souls? Um, Dark Souls is set in a kind of like medieval Gothic world, and you are a warrior, a person. Question marks about. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you're like a person, and I don't. I don't know. Dark Souls is difficult to explain. Basically, you're gonna lo- you have to learn to love the grind, right? Dark Souls is all about failing, learning from that failure, failing again, learning incrementally more about that failure until eventually you are like powerful enough, or even just like have uh, knowledgeable enough to progress to the next level. Yeah, I like it. it seems as though there is a um a sort of like meta leveling up of like the player levels up that you the the for as much as the game gives you you know buffs to strength and you know the ability for your shield to um absorb more damage or whatever um that it's really always going to depend on you the player's ability to judge when it's okay to start attacking when it's okay to uh dodge roll when it's okay to use magic um, that like all of that requires you to level up as a player. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, you, when we were playing uh, together this weekend, you saw me like fail at this boss multiple, multiple times. Oh, and yeah. not even in like the same way. Like sometimes I wouldn't even make it to the boss because I got careless. And so too many enemies would like 
um, crowd me, right? And then they would just like wipe me off the face of the earth, or I would like fumble with the buttons, and so I wouldn't block when I needed to, and that was just like complete death. My favorite is always when you're like, okay, all right, you like line something up, and you're like, pull out your magic, so you're about to throw fireballs, and then you just drink a potion by accident <laughs> while you're being swarmed with guys that you had <laughs> hoped to set on fire. Yeah, that was a frequent occurrence. I was uh, in Undead Parish making my way to the um, like bell gargoyles or whatever. Uh, so, but the what you described about like the player having to kind of level up or like learn the game and play the game the way it wants to be played is kind of the appeal of Dark Souls. When you when the first game came out is 2011, we were especially on Nintendo side kind of in the middle of like the casualization of games. Yeah. And uh here was a game that has like very little tutorial, um a lot of systems and you were just kind of like left to your own devices and the game, you know, like lets you know when you're not supposed to be in an area because you will you just get, get killed. decimated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's it's such an addictive gameplay loop if you enjoy it. If you find that you are able to get past... I kind of liken it to uh, watching a Shakespeare play for a long time since... If it's been a long time since you've like seen Shakespeare. Yeah. Where, um, you know, like you go in and the language is difficult... And you have to kind of get into the rhythm of it. And then by the end, you're like, oh, yeah, this is like a second language right. to me. You're like, this is, this is how a play works. Exactly. Yeah. That, that is a little bit like Dark Souls, where when it initially starts, I've played Dark Souls. I played Bloodborne. Like, I'm familiar with the idea of these games. And even then, I still, it had been a while since I had played it. And so that learning curve of getting back into the rhythm. And then when you do, it is so addictive. Yeah. Um, so you you are glad that you picked up the uh, Switch remaster of this. I really I really am. So uh, we've kind of talked about it before on the show that I don't have a very like critical or discerning eye when it comes to some of the like technical aspects of games. Sure. Um, and I know that people don't like in because the Switch version is thirty frames per second versus the PS4 and Xbox One remasters, which are sixty frames per second. Yeah. Uh, the original game was thirty frames per second, and it has something called frame pacing, which is I guess is prevalent in a lot of from software games. People do not care for frame pacing. I don't know what that is. Like I, <laughs> I, I have, I haven't. Uh, I was just about to ask. Hey, Mark, what is that? No idea. The game plays fine to me. One thing that is absolutely noticeable and true is that the audio is heavily, heavily compressed. Oh, really? In the Switch version, it sounds mm. kind of like everything's underwater a little bit. Like you can, it is noticeable that you are listening to a low quality sound file. That's it. well. Uh, l- let me ask you this: uh, You bought this digitally, I- I'm assuming. Um, so maybe you don't even know, but was it? Did it take a long time to download it? Uh, it's. I think it's like six gigabytes. Okay, so not. So it's not huge. Not crazy. When I uh down or so I bought Starlink, right? Um, and it comes with a uh, you have to download, you know, the majority of the game or so it would seem, um, onto your Switch, and that download took like an hour. Um, which is nuts because, like, you know, I've got this box with all this stuff in it. And it's like, no, the game is mostly out in the ether and you still have to download it. One, th- I'm hoping that if people make enough noise about it, that uh, uh, Namkai Band, Bando Namkai, <laughs> yeah, I always mess that up, uh, that they will patch in like the 
uh, yeah, better different audio. sound files. Yeah. yeah, but again, it's not noticeable enough to like ruin the game for me. It is just like it's a thing, and it's, yeah. it is apparent. Um, I, I would also say that uh, just from uh, from watching you play it this weekend, that like I can tell that the textures aren't like you know super uh, well defined. Oh, for sure. And I, I don't know if that is uh, you know part of it being a a remaster of a, a PS3 game or if like it looks just that much better and like the light is that much more dynamic in the other versions. Yeah, I think it really is like fairly faithful to the PS3 version. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that that seems right to me. There are a few effects that are different. Like, there's uh, a part where, like, the uh, a dragon is, like, breathing a lot of fire. And that is noticeably worse on the Switch version. Yeah. yeah um, anything with, like, particles and stuff is probably going to... There was something that we I- encountered while you were playing where there was, like, a lot of fiery stuff coming up. And it was just like, well, that's not... And there was also like right. uh, a part where I was being swarmed by enemies, and yes. the last enemy to make the swarm was basically looked like a stop motion figure. That's right. <laughs> it looked like you were in uh, the original uh, like Clash of the Titans, <laughs> where that's all like stop motion. Yeah, uh, very Ray Harryhausen. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I really feel like the appeal of this version of the game and why it is totally worth it for me, especially at forty bucks, is that is being able to play Dark Souls portably. Yeah. And I think in that way, it um, does its job really well. Man, it's so interesting. Like, we were, you know, when we were talking about, like, how we were going to do this episode, it was like, yeah, let's talk about Starlink first, because I think that's, like, the new one, the thing that people are going to want to hear about. But, like, I spent twice as much money on a game that, you know, where both these games are, like, grind-heavy, we're saying. Um, but, like, I don't know that my learning how to play uh, Starlink is going to make me better. You're learning how to play Dark Souls that's going to make you better. So that, like, sort of makes it a better game. Uh, you didn't get a fun toy. I got a fun toy. But, like, ultimately, um, you get uh, what seems like a much more in-depth gameplay experience for, like, half as much money. It's also interesting because there's a lot of talk just in the video game world in general about how do you solve uh, the single-player game problem? Like Maria. <laughs> exactly. Right. How do you take a single-player game and pin it down? <laughs> uh, no, but you know, because they're, especially with these like very narrative-driven games, Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a one-and-done is the worry anyways. And dark, the Dark Souls model obviously does not work for every game or every genre, but it kind of solves the that problem because once you've played dark souls once you want to go back and re-experience it because you have learned so much about how to play the game sure and there are so many different you know in one playthrough you are going to be building one type of character you are going to uh you're not going to hit every npc and you're not going to make the same choices for every npc like the the world of dark souls and bloodborne is like this as well there's a lot of story around it, but it's more like atmospheric. Yeah. Like I could not tell you at all what happens in Bloodborne or what happens in Dark Souls. There are websites and YouTube channels like dedicated to dissecting the lore, and some of the lore is really cool, but it's completely unnecessary to yeah. enjoy the game. Um shoot, I had some observation, now it's gone out of my head. The other thing that's cool, uh if you're worried about 
like because the Dark Souls games are difficult, but they're not insurmountable. But one thing that's cool about all those types of all of these like Soulsborne games is that they have the opportunity for online co-op. Um, and so like that's how I ble- beat Bloodborne the first time through is like me and my friend would be running around doing different things than when we both wanted to like attempt a boss, we would join each other's games and then run in and like and do the boss. And it's like it's a super fun way to experience these games. And if you don't have like a friend who also has uh, a copy of the game, you can summon just like other players into your game when they like basically are like volunteering to be a hero for you. It's 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 a lot of fun. I've I really love these games. Uh well great. Um all right Mark we should close out our conversation now on uh not Bloodborne, Dark Souls <laughs> remastered. Okay, so that is going to do it for this episode of the show. Uh you know, Mark and I played two new games this week. Did you play either of these games? We'd love to hear how everyone else is experiencing either Dark Souls remastered or Starlink Battle for Atlas, uh including which versions of this of this game did you buy what you is atlas what is atlas don't tell me what atlas is <laughs> i don't want to know um uh, all right that's gonna do it for this episode of this show um remember please rate review subscribe on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts that sort of thing helps us out tremendously if you like this specific episode why not share it with your friends who are trying to figure out how to buy starlink or who are uh, you know mad about compressed sound files in <laughs> Dark Souls Remastered. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. The show is at Nincart Society. The Facebook page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. And if you ever want to email us about anything at all, you can do so at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Um, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, we write about comic books on RecconPunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of 8 Betty's music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening. Do you ever feel like you need to talk about Britney Spears? Because I do. I'm Jen Zabrowski, and I'm the host of We Need to Talk About Britney. Every episode, I'm breaking down Britney's life and works, but mostly life, with pop stars, former TRL hosts, actors, writers, and comedians, all while trying to figure out why I'm so obsessed with Britney Spears. Listen to We Need to Talk About Britney every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Campfire.